this is Olivia and Jill, and you're listening to Bikini Drive-In on CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Our mission is to analyze horror and science fiction films through an intersectional feminist lens. Uh, we both have backgrounds in screen and media studies, arts criticism, and women and gender studies. Our combined knowledge and experience will hopefully provide you with access points to feminist theory, art history, and film critique while using horror and science fiction genres as a site of discourse. Since we will be discussing portrayals of horror and violence, content warning, and listener discretion is advised. Also, spoilers ahead. This week, we will be discussing Goodnight Mommy. <laughs> synopsis of the film, Goodnight Mommy opens with twin brothers wearing matching outfits, playing in the woods uh, and in a pond near their sleek modern home. One brother calls out for Lucas as if playing Marco Polo. The film continues by following a woman who has returned home after undergoing some sort of cosmetic facial surgery. She is returning home to rest and recuperate, as well as returning to her two nine-year-old sons, Elias and Lucas. The woman's head is covered in bandages, leaving only her mouth and eyes visible, which gives her this look of Christian from uh, Eyes Without a Face. It's, it's quite eerie. The twins are noticeably unnerved by their mother's appearance, and this animosity is furthered by the woman's coldness towards Lucas, whom Elias continues to attempt to get their mother to acknowledge. Even though it's the middle of the hot summer, the woman orders the twins to keep the blinds closed during the day, imposes a strict rule of silence inside the house, and demands that they not bring anything suspicious into the home, as well as the fact that they're only allowed to play outside. So the mother does tend to be quite cruel. She lashes out 
at Elias physically when he's mischievous or disobedient. And the twins comment that this is something which their mother would never do. Um, and this sparks this pattern of paranoia and distrust between the family members. So the twins begin to believe that the woman under the bandages is not their mother. The paranoia builds after the bandages are removed to reveal healed skin and accumulates in the boys trying, tying the woman to her bed, refusing to let her go until she tells them where their real mother is. The woman insists that she is their mother, which only results in various childlike tortures, such as burning her face with a magnifying glass, aggressively flossing her teeth, and super gluing her mouth shut, um, which they only end up cutting open in order to feed her pepperoni pizza. So it's unsure how long this capture goes on for, but there comes a point where it is clear that the woman um, has wet the bed, and the twins briefly set her free from her shackles to change the bedding. She then takes this opportunity to throw the pea sheets at the twins and escapes. However, the twins have set up this booby trap in the doorway to outside, causing her to fall and hit her head, which knocks her unconscious. The woman then wakes up, and she's super glued to the living room floor and drenched in gasoline and surrounded by these candles. Um, Elias begins to burn the house down, or has been beginning to burn the house down, um, and pressuring the woman into telling them the truth about their mother. However, she never stops insisting that she is their real mother. In a panic, she tells Elias that Lucas died in an accident prior to her return home, explaining that Lucas's death was not his fault. She begs him to set her free so that they can both move on from this tragedy. Elias challenges her to prove her motherhood by telling him what Lucas is doing. As she cannot see Elias's hallucination of his dead brother, she fails uh, his test and he lights the place on fire. We see her body burning as the camera pans out of the home. Uh, the final shot shows Elias and Lucas walking through a cornfield towards their mother and ends with the three of them smiling and embracing in this happy family portrait, a grim family portrait. So, Olivia, how did you first come to the film? Uh, so I first heard about this film while listening to Alex West and Andrew Subasati's podcast, The Faculty of Horror. Mm -hmm. They discuss this film alongside the Babadook, um, analyzing representations and expectations of motherhood in films. Um, the final twist was spoiled for me, which is fine, uh, just because I, I appreciate stressful movies being ruined for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's not always the worst, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And especially with this film, too, where the twist, we'll get into more of it later, mm -hmm. too, but the twist ends up not being... The only the only thing yeah to focus on, it's yeah. not it's not pivotal and it is something that that yeah when I watched it I I can't remember how I stumbled across this film but I do remember seeing the trailer which is like this brilliant kind of short film in itself mm -hmm. and just being like I must see this mm -hmm. it looked absolutely fascinating mm -hmm. um, but yeah we're and realizing quite early in the film what the twist was mm -hmm. and and how it really only aided in in kind of this tension and this mystery and destabilization. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Did you know what the twist was? Before? Like, you figured it out? I figured I it watching. out while I was watching. It was <laughs> hardly. I know, I felt so good about myself and still by the end was like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> so yeah, twist aside, I mean, yeah, it's it's a great film. Great film. I, think I, I think I figured it out. It was something to do... Uh, well, yeah, I think it was by the time they were playing that game in the Two Sons. Oh, like the, the headbands, headbands kind of game. Yes. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, here we go. Yeah. Yep. Such a tense scene. So tense. So, to give you some background info, uh, 
Good Night Mummies, an Austrian horror film from 2014. It's written and directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. I don't know if that's how you say his name. All dialogue in the film is German, as you heard uh, in the trailer, and it has English subtitles. So the film's German title is Ich Seh, which translates to I See, I See. And the phrase is a reference to a German-Austrian version of I Spy With My Little Eye, which, so yeah, proceeds... Um, ich seh, ich seh, was du nicht siehst. So, which translates to, I see, I see, what you don't see. Which ends ends up kind of adding this, like, interesting element. And then in regards to the twins, too, of, like, there is something that's hidden and unseen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, yeah, one of the, an element that I thought really, in, was I found really interesting about this film was the idea of perspective. So most of the film, it's viewed from the twins' perspective, which, as the film goes along, are sort of framed as the villains, even though it's quite complicated. They are the perpetuators of the of violence. Um, I feel like this is very, um, very much so f- in the scene of the burning house, the very last scene. It seems like the way that the shot is framed, it's from Elias's point of view as he's standing in the cornfield watching the house burn down. And if you pay close attention, there is a figure of a woman leaving the house and then walking into the field. It's incredibly spooky. Yeah. I believe because you see the mother figure leaving the house, it can only be from Elias's point of view because it's, it's almost like his worst nightmares were. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, yeah, it returns to justified. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It returns to that, like surrealism Mm -hmm. that exists in the first two Kind of, it's like almost like two thirds of the film are in this like kind of fairy tale dreamland, mm-hmm. and then when she's, I guess specifically when she's being tortured, it turns into like quite stark, real, almost like documentary kind mm-hmm. of lighting, and it's yeah. very, it's when the Red Cross, folks, I feel like that's the turning point when it's confusing about whether, the twins are the victims or the villains. Absolutely, yeah. Totally. Um, I feel like, as a viewer, my empathy was switched between. It transferred from the twins to the mother, back to the twins, especially when they go to the village to seek help from the priest, mm. and they were driven right back to um, the home of their abuser, essentially, um, without any sort of help. And then also when the two Red Cross people just enter the home um, kind of cluelessly and then don't don't help out the mother, but then also don't help out the children in this very toxic so environment. Toxic. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, the Red Cross scene, as much as it's like... They're the true villains of this entire <gasps> movie. They're so frustrating to watch. <laughs> Those silly people. But but it is a really pivotal moment, too, where, yeah, because it does play with uh, your empathy and who you... if Because it's very confusing about mm-hmm. who you should be rooting for, if it's yeah. the two sons or the mother at that yeah. point. And I feel yeah. that... Um, sorry to interrupt. No, but um, it kind of showcases the powerlessness that children have in this adult world mm-hmm. for the priest and yeah, the Red Cross volunteers. Yeah, they're just not yeah. taken seriously as they're also perpetuating violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, it's very complex. It's not a complex <laughs> Yes. So I can't help but think about how grief plays into Elias's growing psychosis as well as their their mother's irritation and depression because um, it's pretty clear with with their house and with um, there's kind of 
uh, artifacts of her career. We're, we know that she was um, quite a well-known TV personality. TV personality, and and that she was this successful, wealthy woman. And we do know that she's experiencing the loss of a child, and it's being compounded by this isolation provided by her reconstructive surgery and her her period of recuperation following that. Um, so yeah, there's this claustrophobia. Um, which is surrounding this, and it's never named, and it's the source of this grief and this tension, um, and the reason for her reconstructive surgery, possibly, it's kind of left to uh, the audience's imagination. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, unlike a lot of horror, it's this, it's this very like silent and muffled, and almost like how when she has her her mouth glued. There's never, like, there's hardly screaming. Everything is always kind of under the skin or under the surface. Until um, she's on fire. Until the very end when she's burned. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> but it's also interesting how the twins, as, as Olivia said too, it starts as this kind of, like, surreal nightmare. And their idea of their mother is also this kind of blurred impossibility, like, um... I read one thing that was discussing how there's two works of art in the home mm -hmm. that the, the viewer sees, and they're both these black and white blurred female figures. And then in the dream, there's this dream sequence where the, the mother walks into the woods and she takes on this blurred image of non-recognition. Mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, so it, it implies this kind of like otherness and, and yeah, and it's, it's, she's like this unhuman entity and there's, unknowable yeah, yeah unknowable totally um yeah and then so for for elias his the idea of his mother is this complete like radical break from from reality and and especially with her rejection of lucas mm -hmm. who who you realize is, is basically kind of in his psyche um so rather than than accept the death of his brother elias chooses to to take his grief and and tries to mend this wound by by choosing his um, distorted view of mm -hmm. of reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's actually interesting in the end when she's um, super glued to the floor, surrounded by candles, um, that her eyes are are glued at the very end, and and as she's speaking with Elias, one of the eyes becomes unglued. unglued. A hint, perhaps, at the twins and the perception, and yes, Ooh. yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Another thing. This is from from an article I read too. But they they discuss the suspended animation of Lucas at the end. We don't know if he's like it's it's quite ambiguous whether he's dead or alive. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's kind of there's this scene with a cat. I won't tell you too much about it, yeah. <laughs> but but it is this kind of. Um, the suspension in, in death and in disembodied experiences mm -hmm. um, that really also, yeah, aids in that dream state. Spooky, spooky dream state. Um, I just wanted to talk about the represent representation of motherhood in this film. Uh, so I have a quote here from Leila Latif um, from Little White Lies. Um, so she wrote that uh, mothers in horror films tend to fall into two camps, the most prevalent being the evil shrew who, through her abusive parenting, creates the evil antagonist. So psycho, brain dead, carry the brood. This is normally accompanied by strong uh, Oedipal uh, undertones. 
The second is a screaming victim who is oblivious to what is going on and suffers intensely while being largely incapable of saving herself. And this can be seen in The Shining, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, The Omen. Uh, so I would argue that the mother in this film is simultaneously portrayed as the abusive parent or the evil shrew um, archetype, a grieving woman and a possible imposter or sort of body snatcher type character. Mm -hmm. She is also both villain, villain and victim as yeah. with the twins. Um, uh, I think this um, vic villain victim sort of dichotomy is um, is apparent in um, how the caregiving roles are switched in the torture scenes. Mm. So yeah, Jill, you mentioned it earlier, but um, once the boys have tied up their mother, they attempt to um, feed her and floss her teeth and then change her sheets, but it all has this like air of aggression to yeah. it. I'm not sure if that's intentional or it's like the, that's how the children feel about flossing their teeth. Mm -hmm. I mean, like they put a poster in her mouth and sit on her chest and floss her teeth, but they, it's almost like they believe that they're taking care of her, but it's yeah. in this quite aggressive way. Yeah. And especially with their, their mother being in what I, I perceived mm -hmm. as, as grieving. Mm -hmm. So she's quite, quite cold. Yeah, and, and yeah, violent. And yeah. violent and, yeah. and distant. And so for the for that to be in it's interesting to see how that could be interpreted as, as care for these boys or boy or yeah. 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 So in Goodnight Mommy, all action takes place in the family home, in a domestic space. So most occurring in the boys' and the mother's bedroom. Um, so this is also contrasted with in the very beginning. The boys are playing in the woods, kind of playing this. So it looks like a Marco Polo game. And, and it's interesting. This is, again, so I read it on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got all of this from the internet. <laughs> Thank you. I credit the internet. <laughs> but, but discussing how, because it's this very sterile environment that they're kind of, that is being imposed upon them. Um, but there's these interesting little uh, shootouts into into the natural world, where in the beginning they're playing, and um, there's Elias chasing Lucas through the forest, and then he's calling for his brother into a cave, and this is could be seen as some sort of like foreshadowing as to um, Elias choosing to enter this dark cave, and that's how he's choosing to navigate um, his grief and the loss of his brother. Um, 
Yeah. And there's also, um, post that scene, there's Elias floating on a raft. Those are the two probably most prominent scenes that do not take place in the home. And, and it could um, reflect on perhaps Lucas's untimely death and, and that he may be drowned. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, just to build on what you said about the natural versus material world, mm-hmm. um, it is really interesting to see like the boundaries between the child's sort of outdoor natural world and then the adult world of the sterile home. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are several scenes of the mother cleaning the home and almost like trying to fight nature as she's like scrubbing grit off the side of the house. This mm-hmm. is also represented in her cosmetic surgery as she's could be seen as she's trying to fight like the natural Forces. Of life, yeah. Forces? I guess they're not really yeah. forces. Uh, it's just what happens yeah. to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. There's also, yeah, the boundaries between the dream world and the real world and what are the boys actually seeing versus what is the mother actually doing. Right. Um, yeah, so, the, yeah, the material world of this, like, sterile, sterile home versus the natural world of the buds that they ha- that they bring into the house, mm-hmm. the cat, mm-hmm. which the cat, they find a cat in in nature bring it into the home and then mm-hmm. it dies i kind of see that as like this is a toxic home home yeah and the cat is kind of it ends up being the that. like canary in the coal mine yes absolutely the cat in the house in the basement <laughs> <Poor kitty. laughs> yeah <laughs> another interesting element of this film is the idea of the doppelganger so i have another quote from uh, ancient origins.net uh, doppelganger is a German word meaning double walker and refers to a wraith or apparition that casts no shadows and is a replica or double of a living person. They are generally considered as omens of bad luck or even signs of impending death. A doppelganger seen by a person's relative or friend was said to signify that illness or danger would befall that person, while seeing one's own doppelganger was said to be an omen of death. Some accounts of doppelgangers, sometimes called the evil twin, suggest that they might attempt to provide advice to the person they shadow, but that this advice can be misleading or malicious. They may also attempt to plant sinister ideas in their victim's mind or cause them great confusion. For this reason, people are advised to avoid communicating with their own doppelganger doppelganger at all costs. Um, So obviously, Lucas can be understood as Elias' doppelganger. Mm -hmm. Um, This is represented in, in the lake scene that you mentioned. Yeah. In reflections. There's a lot of mirror imagery imagery. Um, also the mother is almost a doppelganger of their mother before she had, mm-hmm. before this accident, before she had the surgery. And also if you're looking at mirror imagery too, there's mm-hmm. so much of that involved with the mother. Mm-hmm. And especially the artwork in the, in yeah. the home. Um, as well as the doppelganger portrayed in the dream imagery. So the dreams mm-hmm. that the twins have of their mother walking naked in the woods can be seen as the doppelganger to the mother. Yep. Some of the inspiration for the film was a reality television program that the director, writer and directors were watching where folks get plastic surgery. We were searching. We think it's called The Swan. The Swan. Yes. Spooky. So upsetting. Yeah. It's where these mothers were separated from their families for a long time to get new nose, new teeth, etc. Um, and then they were eventually reunited with their families. And it's meant to be this very happy television moment. Um, but apparently looking at the eyes of the children, you can sense this kind of irritation. And apparently one of the episodes, um, a child actually grabs his, or her, sorry, her father and says, this is not my mom. And that was really where the story started. Yeah. So it is based off this like 
reality television phenomena. Oh, Lord. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's totally fascinating. Um, so that's it for our show this week. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you. Please tune in next Sunday at 4.30. Um, tune in every Sunday at 4.30 on yeah. CKW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg. Um, you can email us at bikinidrivein at gmail.com if you have any questions or suggestions or just some nice things to say. Yeah, tell us nice things. Please. Thanks so much. <laughs> uh, this is Olivia. This is Joe.
You're listening to CKUW 95.9 FM in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Our frequency celebrates diversity.